Hey everyone, Paul here. Just wanted to let you know before we begin. Today's episode is a video episode. That means there is video for this available on my YouTube channel. Maybe you weren't aware that I had a YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel and you should go over and subscribe to it. Sometimes this stuff works a little better in a visual format. Maybe we can see some things, splice in some clips. Uh, sometimes I do deep dives on movies and television and explore the theological and philosophical ideas embedded in those films or in those television series. And doing that on video is usually way better than doing it on an audio only podcast. So go over, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I have a link below in the description. Also want to make you aware that next week I have Drew Johnson, who is professor of biblical and theological studies at the King's College in New York City. He's coming on the podcast to discuss his new book. It's a fantastic book. I've got an early look at it. It is called What Hath Darwin to Do with Scripture? I probably emphasized hath in a very strange way. So let me say that again. What hath Darwin to do with Scripture? Comparing the conceptual worlds of the Bible and evolution, we're going to talk science and theology with Drew Johnson and his fascinating, fascinating new book. So check that out next week. And hey, Speaking of science and theology, that's what today's episode is all about. Again, this is a video episode. You can find a link for this video on my YouTube channel down in the description below as well. Hope you enjoy. And finally, thank you all for supporting on Patreon. We are still shy of our goal of 200 patrons. So if you feel so led, if the spirit so moves you <laughs> to support this work that I'm doing, Click the link in the description to do that as well. That keeps stuff like this free of advertisement. I'm not going to sell you mattresses, men's grooming products, miracle drugs, none of that stuff. There'll be no snake oil being sold to you. Just pure, unfiltered <laughs> theology, just straight down the pipe to you. So uh, yeah, if you find any of this stuff to be helpful, if this is one of your top five, 10 podcasts, please consider supporting. That's the only way I can keep doing this. And I uh, hope you enjoy today's episode. You can reach out to me to discuss it either in the YouTube section for this video, or you can contribute to the discussion in our Deep Talks Discord server if you're a member of our Patreon community. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear about your journey, wrestling with questions about science, faith, biblical theology, all of that. So please don't be a stranger. Reach out to me. I love, this is what makes this so fun for me is when I actually get to hear back from you who are listening to this and going, this is what I'm seeing. This is how something that you said was helpful or have a question about this. All of that stuff makes this way, way more enjoyable. I try my best to respond to as many questions and comments as I can. And sometimes I'll dedicate a full bonus Q&A episode to it. So please reach out with your questions, comments, observations, tell me your story. You can find it, uh, find places to do that. Again, comment section on YouTube on Patreon, or you can reach out to me on X. I guess I have to call it that now. Maybe I'll get sued by Elon if I keep calling it Twitter <laughs> or on Instagram. Reach out to me at any of those places and uh, hope you enjoy. This is a subject I've written and talked about for years, but in today's video, I want to give you three basic theological reasons for why you don't have to believe young earth creationism in order to be a Christian. Many Christians in America have been taught that in order to be a biblically faithful Christian, you have to believe that the universe, 
the earth, and all life on this planet was created by God over the course of six 24-hour periods somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 years ago. This view is commonly known as young earth creationism. And I was born, raised, and spent most of my life in a young earth creationist context where young earth creationism was treated as the gospel truth that all Bible-believing Christians must hold to. I was also taught that the mainstream scientific consensus that the universe is 14 billion years old, that the earth is 4.5 billion years old, and things like the first humans to walk upright on two legs came about somewhere between 5 to 7 million years ago, that all of that stuff was part of a conspiracy by atheists to destroy the Christian faith. Later in life, I rejected young earth creationism, but it wasn't because I left the faith, and it wasn't because I stopped being a Bible-believing Christian. In fact, I'm an evangelical pastor in an evangelical context. I graduated with an advanced degree in theology from an evangelical seminary, and I still believe in the inspiration and infallibility of the scriptures. Between my nearly two decades of ministry and over a decade of teaching theology in the classroom, I've seen how devastating questions about science and faith can be to people's faith. I want to give you three basic theological reasons for why you don't have to believe young earth creationism in order to be a Christian. The first reason, the Bible is inspired, not our questions. If we're serious about biblical inspiration and we're trying to get as close as we possibly can to the source of inspiration, then we have to realize that God vested his authority in the biblical authors to deliver his message. And what they have to say may have nothing to do with the questions we bring to the Bible. If I open up to the Gospel of Luke and I have questions about Einstein's theory of relativity or quantum mechanics, and I'm perplexed about these kinds of questions. I'm going to come to all sorts of wrong conclusions if I go looking in the Gospel of Luke for answers. Why? Because God's inspired intentions through Luke weren't intended to answer those modern questions that I have. If I force an answer out of it, what I'm actually saying is that my questions are inspired, not the biblical text. We might look at Genesis 1 and 2 and go, hey, this is about creation, so this has to be about science. But that's imposing modern ideas on the ancient biblical author that would be completely foreign to them. If I come to Genesis 1 with questions about, say, how old the earth is, but God's inspired intentions through that biblical author have nothing to do with answering my modern scientific questions, then I'm going to completely miss the inspired point of that biblical text. And there's plenty of reason to believe that this ancient biblical author writing to an ancient Near Eastern people with ancient questions about who God is and how he's different than the neighboring gods surrounding Israel, there's plenty of reason to believe that they're not trying to answer our questions about modern geology or biology that have only been around for like the last few hundred years. The second theological reason why we don't have to be young earth creationists. The plain reading of Genesis 1 makes total sense if you're an ancient Israelite, but not to you and me. 
Why do we arrogantly assume that the plain reading of the Bible means you and I living in 2023 with our completely different worldview, language, culture, and customs that we can just flip open to any page of the Bible and instantly completely understand what it means without doing any of the hard work that we normally have to do to read really old books? To get at the meaning, we have to humble ourselves and do the work of understanding the context. If you understand ancient Israel and the Hebrew people's ancient context, you'll know that their neighbors have all sorts of creation myths, stories about their God and how this God made the world. None of them, as you look at those stories, have anything to do with our modern scientific questions. They all have to do with deeper questions about what the gods are like, how the world is supposed to work, and what's our purpose in the story. Israelites are under the threat constantly of assimilation or annihilation from some bigger, badder neighboring empire with their own sets of gods. So they've got questions about how their God, the God of Israel, is similar or different to those gods. They've got questions about what their role is in this story. And do they have any reason to believe that their God is going to take care of them? We've got no reason to believe that they're wondering, God, how old is the earth? Or what are dinosaurs? They have no idea that dinosaurs even exist. The discovery of dinosaur fossils didn't happen until 1824. Why would they care about dinosaurs and geology? They don't. So when they heard or read Genesis 1, it's a very plain reading to them. The cosmos had been made by their God, who spoke it into being. Instead of having to fight against other gods or cosmic forces of chaos, like the other creation myths of Israel's neighbors, God is ordering the cosmos to be his temple, and he will inhabit that temple. He's going to take rest in that temple, just like the temple inauguration ceremony, which culminates on the seventh day with God taking up residence in the temple. God isn't subject to the powers of the heavenly bodies like the sun and the moon, which other neighboring religions thought possessed immense divine power. In fact, God doesn't even make the sun and the moon until the fourth day. It's really clear if you're an ancient Israelite what this all means, but we often miss the point. Are these literal 24-hour days to create everything from distant galaxies to every form of plant and animal life on the planet? Or are they symbolic days representing vast periods of time? These questions completely miss the point. The whole debate about this stuff is nonsensical to the biblical author and the original audience. They've got no idea what a galaxy or a dinosaur even is. The third reason why you don't have to believe in young earth creationism in order to be a Christian. The Bible affirms the value of general revelation. Science and math are methods of discerning general revelation. If we throw out general revelation then we call into question the goodness of God and the whole story becomes nonsensical. Let me explain more. 
by declaring that the default Christian position is believing that there's a rift between biblical faith and the scientific method, we are implicitly teaching people that God's world is irrational and denying his general revelation and common grace to all people. The same genetic research that examines our DNA and identifies potential illnesses or diseases that we might inherit, which does a tremendous benefit to people all over the planet, is the same process that clearly demonstrates measurable DNA change rate per generation and can clearly show us we're humans and chimpanzees shared a common ancestor in the past. Accepting this scientific process when it's helpful to treat or prevent diseases, but rejecting it when it doesn't fit our young earth creationism is incoherent. When the evidence in that science corroborates with the separate work of biologists and geologists to present an overwhelming evidence for a very old earth, for a long, long process of evolution, we're left in a difficult position. We either propose that all of these scientists are conspiring together, including millions of professing Christians who are scientists in the field, or that they're all massively deceived somehow. Some young earth creationists will propose theories like God made the universe with the appearance of age in order to somehow make things like the geological record make sense within their view. But accepting this leads to all sorts of implied conclusions about God's revelation. Is he trying to trick people? Why have some methods like genetic testing and carbon dating work in some instances but not in others? Is God's universe not rational? Are not his invisible attributes clearly discernible to all through reasoning and observing nature like the Apostle Paul hints at in Romans 1? Is the universe actually incoherent or is it much more likely that this very modern way of interpreting scripture, which has only been around since the 18th century, is just forcing the Bible to say what it doesn't actually make any claims about? I've heard too many tragic stories of people born and raised in young earth creationist contexts who are told their whole life that this is the gospel and if you accept science that is contrary to this view that you are rejecting the faith when they come face to face with the overwhelming verifiable testable evidence many do fall for the lie that following jesus equates to following some old superstition for which there is no evidence. Now, I'm not a scientist by trade, and maybe one day there will be some sort of Copernican revolution in the sciences where everything that we presently believe in modern science is disproved as wrong and it's shown that the earth is six to 10,000 years old. If that happens, great. It still won't change the fact that the biblical authors weren't writing science textbooks. And that forcing the Bible to be a science textbook is a poor form of biblical interpretation. Instead, we would need to deduce new scientific theories using, not like our reading of the Bible, but God's common grace of general revelation to all people. If you're a scientist and you've come to the conclusion that young earth creationism is true, I'd be glad to worship side by side with you as my brother and sister in Christ. If you believe the earth is flat, 
I'd be glad to worship side by side with you as a brother or sister in Christ. But just as there's no need to make flat earth theory something we teach as true in churches and schools, there's no need to compel people that they must believe young earth creationism in order to be Christian. Do things like evolutionary theory present some challenges to Christian theology? Absolutely. There's some difficult things to work through. But Christians have had to work through difficult challenges like this before. We had to do it with Galileo, Copernicus, Newton, on and on the list goes. I'm optimistic, though, that with a better view of the Bible and with a more robust Christian theology, that we are more than capable to deal with these kinds of challenges. And not just that, not just dealing with challenges, but with a more holistic view of God's general revelation and special revelation, we can actually unlock new insights and solutions to the problems facing our world with the gift of reason and the gift of revelation that God's blessed us with. Thanks for watching. Hey, if you found any of this helpful, you might find even more helpful a conversation I had with Dr. John Walton, who is a professor of Old Testament, a biblical scholar at Wheaton University, and he is well known for his books on Genesis 1, Genesis 2, the Lost World series. It's a really fascinating conversation and discussion about biblical interpretation, biblical hermeneutics, what Genesis 1 is all about. And so I think if you found anything in here helpful, go watch that video. You can find it right here. Did you know that it was a Christian that actually proposed the Big Bang Theory? If this is new to you, maybe you're just beginning to go through a process of wrestling through what you believe about the Bible, about theology, and about science. And I'd be glad to help you on that journey. Just click the subscribe button below. My channel covers all sorts of issues related to the intersection of Christian theology, religion, philosophy, science, culture, and the arts, whether it's doing breakdowns of the latest story in pop culture, looking for the deep religious and philosophical ideas embedded in those stories, or whether it's talking about issues like this, science and faith. I love helping you navigate that, and I'd be glad to be one of the guides in your life that does that. So please, I invite you to subscribe, and you can check out my audio-only podcast, Deep Talks, Exploring Theology and Meaning Making. Leave your comments below. I'd love to hear about your story and your journey. Where have you come from? What's been helpful? What resources have helped you navigate these challenging issues with science and the Christian faith? Tell me more in the comments below.